What's up, everyone? It's Brian from the Security Scott Podcast. Welcome. I have my co-hosts here, Ryan O'Hara, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. Welcome to another show where we bring you the business of cybersecurity and help educate you on what's going on out there in the world with cyber attacks, cyber criminals, ransomware, and all that goofy stuff. So before we get into today's content, Randy, what's the fee for our show? So our fee for the show is we want the people that are listening to comment, to to like the video, and to share the video with their friends, family, coworkers. Let other people know about us. That's our fee. That's it. So in today's show, guys, we're going to talk about a couple of ransomware attacks. Once the, the Hanes ransomware, that's against the like fruit of, like Hanes, right? The underwear company. Am I right or am I wrong? You're right. All right. So we got Haynes ransomware. They didn't get hit over Memorial Day weekend. We're kind of, I think we're still waiting for those to come out yet because it seems like anymore we're not hearing about ransomware attacks the day that they happen or a couple of days later. Um, we know why this is happening, but we think uh, we'll hear more about that probably on the next show. Um, we also have a county in New Jersey uh, that's under a ransomware attack. And we have a new ransomware uh, tactic, I would call it. I don't, I don't even know, um, but we'll get into that. Uh, and uh, some interesting information about a, a state uh, who had their financial passwords stolen. We're going to jump into that. And then we're going to get into some uh, really good ransomware t- statistics at the end of the show to give everybody some perspective on what it is that's actually going on out there, like how many ransomware attacks actually happen in a, in a day. And I think you'll be surprised at the number. It's it's more than one or two or three. So um, we're going to go into that and and who's involved in those attacks and, and dive into some numbers there. So starting it off, Randy, we got Haynes Ransom, Haynes Corp or Haynes Brands. It says they suffered a ransomware attack. It happened... Earlier in the week, last week, well before the holiday, let everybody know what happened. Well, we don't have a lot of information on this. Um, They said that the attack happened on the 24th, which was about a week ago. Um, And they said that they've activated business continuity plans and an incident response plan. if they actually have those in place and had those in place, I will be uh, thoroughly impressed. Um, but they had to, um, or they went and they filed um, a regulatory filing um, with uh, agencies. They said that they've, they've brought in a legal firm, they brought in cybersecurity help, um, and they're basically trying to investigate and see uh, what happened. And basically at this point, um, there's not really a whole lot else that they are releasing about this, but they have confirmed um, that it was or is ransomware. We don't even know if it's ongoing um, at this point. Yeah, and that goes back to what I said at the top of the show, which is all of this stuff that we're seeing today is way more calculated than it was two, two, three, four years ago. Um, so you're seeing in the article that we found regulatory filing, right? It, they didn't even used to have to file anything when they got hit before. Now these publicly traded companies, they have to file a regulatory filing with the SEC when these things go down. You also see things like 
They've engaged legal counsel and a cybersecurity forensic firm. Companies weren't doing that at first. A lot of times they're PR people and they were trying to handle things internally before they engaged the legal team. And now the legal teams are getting involved very, very quickly. They're getting ahead of the news. They're making sure that the plan that they know that works is implemented as quickly as possible, meaning make sure employees aren't running to social media and telling the world that this is going on inside the company. We don't really see that going on too much anymore when we used to see a lot of it. I don't think like the whole entire world just got smart to it. I think that employees are now being told and trained that when things like this do happen, don't go out to social media and say anything or you're going to lose your job. Um, these are the types of things that I think are going on and why we aren't seeing like we did with Colonial Pipeline, like almost an immediate um, you know, news story that weekend. We're not going to see that that much anymore. Things are going to come out a week later. They're going to come out on a Friday, you know, late Friday afternoon, summer, summer afternoon, like as Andre says, where these things are going to come out about cyber attacks, not about, you know, public disclosure of information being stolen, but about cyber attacks actually happening on companies are going to be kind of pushed out into the news in a, in a news at a point in time where they know people aren't paying attention to the news cycle. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we're seeing a trend in the right direction where these responses are becoming a lot more controlled uh, and, and responsible. I mean, they're, they're not as interesting of stories anymore at this point, uh, especially early on, because we don't have a whole lot of information. But um, it's, it's telling me that a lot of these companies are starting to understand what they need to do, who they need to engage, that, that they're, they're at least having the frameworks of an incident response plan in place uh, to control this. You know, even six months ago, you know, you, you read between the lines of these responses and, and you just imagine all the people running around like their hair's on fire. Now you're getting very controlled, very limited information as, as they do their due diligence. So I, th I think that's a good sign, ultimately. Yeah. Anybody else want to chime in on this one? All good. So let's uh, go into this Somerset County in New Jersey, uh, just north of me. Uh and it's interesting. They got they got hit with a ransomware attack, and basically the government can't operate. And this is the municipal side of the government. And what that means in New Jersey is, you know, filing for permits, you know, being able to do title work, you know, when you're buying and selling a home. Um, it doesn't really – the police departments and emergency services are separate from these types of services – um, and at the county level, you're really you're really just looking at, you know, water, water services, sewer services and title type work. Um, and that basically, you know, puts a hamstring in the ability for people to get work done and people to look up titles and, and move houses and sell houses. And we know we are in a very, very hot market, probably at the end of a hot market. So, um you know, if you're in Somerset County in New Jersey, you're probably having and you're trying to sell your house or you're trying to buy a house. You're probably having a lot of problems right now, uh, you know, getting the title information that you need so you can go to closing. Um, the 911 system and other systems are are fine, they said. But what do you guys what is your guys take on this? We have another kind of government, you know, slash county, local government hit with ransomware seems to happen a lot in, in municipal and, and county governments. 
one thing they mentioned in the article is that they have an outstanding IT department experts um, rather than just leaving it up to their in-house crew. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, that that to me, I think mirrors what we've seen in the last few weeks with uh, the uh, smaller community type colleges uh, that have gotten hit. I, I think these are examples of, um, you know, businesses, entities that have, you know, they're kind of like right in the middle where they've got enough where they've got, you know, an IT staff. Uh, but that IT staff probably doesn't have the the level of training required for you know cybersecurity specific services, um, and, and a lot of stuff can go wrong if you don't check all the boxes and do all the steps when you're doing a remediation or an incident response. So uh, I, I think that's a that's a valid concern, Randy. So and, and the incident response is also questionable when you see things like um, Somerset County residents were asked to contact government offices via Gmail addresses set up for various departments or via phone. Now, if I'm a cyber criminal, I'm now sending phishing emails to people that I can identify that live in this county saying like, hey, you know, use this Gmail address to, con you know, send us this information, you know, because our systems are down. Um, if your incident response plan, you know, could involve a Gmail address for certain purposes, meaning your main email is down, but to internally communicate with your incident response team, you might set up a Gmail address for this purpose, but not for this purpose with that this county set up to do publicly facing business. Um, this opens them up to a lot of different things from a compliance standpoint when you're talking about using these these Gmail addresses to send to send communication back and forth to residents. Um, Gmail is not secure, and you know, be careful who and what you send this way. This is a this is a really poor response, in my opinion. Probably one of the worst ones I've seen in a while, quite frankly. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah, at some point they just have to say, "Look, let's just stop. Let's." let's ratify fix the situation and then just start business as usual or just force everybody to come to the office but i totally agree using uh, gmail is not a good idea and it just takes with gmail just you change one letter in the word and someone's not paying attention and now right. you're communicating so it's like it's crazy right. so moving right along we have this whole um <laughs> Goodwill ransomware, and I'm going to kind of throw this one up on the screen, but a new interesting twist. I don't know. This is I can't imagine, and Rye, fill us in, but I can't imagine that this is a major ransomware group that is doing this. But No, and, it, and, and in fact, in the story at the, towards the, the bottom, it, it also says that, that there are no known victims of this particular one. It was just discovered in the wild. Uh, and they don't know the identity of the the threat actor who who put this out there. Um, so this this very well could just be you know somebody messing around and testing things uh, uh, or a joke. But it, it, it's interesting to me because we are seeing more um, you know hacktivism uh, in, in the world. You know, kind of uh, directly 
fighting against the uh, you know the attackers against Ukraine, you know, different things like that. Um, so this isn't out of the realm of possibility to start seeing things like this. Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny in a way. I mean, so so if you if you look at some of the the ways that you can get your your decryption key, you know, one of them says. Uh, find uh, five poor children under 13 years old in your neighborhood and, and take them to Domino's or Pizza Hut or KFC. So like it's it's kind of comical what they're asking for and then, then you need to provide screenshots. Um, but it just, you know, ransomware can be used for any number of things. It's not just about money. So it'll be interesting to see if we start seeing new things like this. But I, I think people are learning that uh, you, you can use these things and, and, you know, you have power that you didn't necessarily know that you had. And when we're seeing the, the ransomware groups, the hacking groups noticing this and, and, and also the hacktivists now too. This is mind bogglingly stupid, but I don't know. I mean, you're just not, they're not making any money. You're just, mm -hmm. you know, you're, 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 Encrypting somebody's files and then making them run around the town that go to Domino's with complete strangers. I mean, um, yeah, Who knows? It, maybe Domino's is the one that put this out there. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, the Domino's KFC. Uh -huh. Hey, how can how can we take advantage of this for marketing? Yeah. So I, I you know, I'm a little distrusting by by nature, and I wonder if you know what if. What if some other group is really behind this? And if they attack or do ransomware on something that's very unpopular, you know, and they realize they've mm -hmm. got them in their hooks, then maybe they can switch over to this. You know, I don't know if it's something like that. that that's what I'm seeing. This reads to me like somebody's trying something out and doing some testing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> Once all three activities are completed, the victim should also write a note on social media, Facebook or Instagram, on how you transform yourself into a kind human being but by becoming a victim of a ransomware called goodwill. It's, it's a, what, what if it's like a high school entrepreneur mm -hmm. cybersecurity project, you know, that they wrote <laughs> and somehow got leaked? This is almost like the Dogecoin of ransomware. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, though, like if somebody did throw this together, you know, it's just one of another example of how easy it is to mm -hmm. to do this stuff and deploy this stuff without needing to be, you know, the, the Hollywood hacker you see on TV that that, you know, is, is just, you know, thinking in pure code. You know, this yeah. stuff is not that difficult to do these days. Yeah, that is that is 100 percent the biggest takeaway for this for, for me is like you have dumb groups like this that, that you're, you know, it's this easy for dumb groups like this to do this stuff. Um, so you're, you're a hundred percent on point with that comment is it's just too easy today. And now we have these dumb little groups like this doing stupid things like this. So, so Andre <clears throat> cyber attacks, no passwords for state financial disclosure sites. So what state was this? Uh, New York State. Okay. New York State, which notoriously has the strongest cybersecurity uh, walls, rules on the books, especially for financial services companies. Um, what happened over in New York State? Yeah. So you got the New York State Joint Commission on Public um, Ethics. They reported Saturday that a cyber attack stole passwords and other information 
on an old uh, financial disclosure um, site and server that they had. So we had email addresses, username, same stuff that you know these hackers want. Email address, usernames, and passwords were taken from this legacy system. So keyword legacy system. So that's telling you that it's um, old 2012 server, 2008 server, Windows 7 computer, or something like that. And um, and what they wanted to uh, let people know is that they know that it's a common practice for individuals to use the same passwords across multiple sites and applications. So they were warning them that if you did you, you did you use this password on this site for other websites, that you should um, that you should change it. And what made this even more interesting is because they uh, put this out on the Memorial Day weekend by snail mail on a Saturday. So a you have people traveling. Uh, people not paying attention, and of course, so that it doesn't make the news, they put this out on a on a uh, holiday. I'm pr I'm pretty sure that's what the Haynes brand did too. They, yeah. they released it on late Friday uh, afternoon. So, I mean, it's a financial disclosure website, so there has to be financial information being uploaded to this site. Do we know if this was businesses? That we're using this was this uh taxpayers uh, well, no, it's the former state employees former state employees okay yeah. Yeah. okay um so former state employees went were going to this website uploading this information at one point they probably moved over to a new system mm -hmm. and they kept this old system online for whatever reason publicly accessible so hackers could get into it exactly <laughs> nice yeah I see Randy shaking his head there. You you ready to unload, or are you you just gonna shake? No, it's it just it's the whole thing's just dumbfounding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's mean, interesting to me too. So so you know, first off, don't reuse passwords. Just don't do that. And then this isn't a problem. But that this attack occurred in February, and they're just now telling people if you were using that password anyplace else, make sure you change it. So that's that's a lot of time that that. Uh, those passwords have been sitting out there and, and possibly exploited in, in different avenues. We're still not there with <clears throat> passwords, guys. I we it's this is a battle we fight all the time with people. Uh, quite frankly, you know, people look for all all kinds of different ways to keep reusing the same passwords. Um, and even if they said to, you know, the state employees, when we move to this new system, make sure you use a different password. You know what I mean? Or who knows what kind of precautions or protections they had in place so they couldn't use that same password from the old system to the new system. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, like once they have the passwords, could they what else can they log into? Right. And that's and that's the problem. And you and I would think that most people think if they're going to put a password and trust anybody to make sure that this password never gets out to the public, it would be something like this. It would be a state-run website that, or a state-run system that employees, you know, who are, this is my employer, you know, this isn't going to get out there um, type of mentality could easily creep in in these situations. You guys agree? I mean, it's just it's just crazy to me that how how much um, how much activity is going on out there, and I think that that's a good segue into you know kind of wrapping up the show here with some. And I wanted to spend some time on this, but 
just looking at some data that came in, um, not going to bring anything up on the screen, but just talking about some data that came in around cyber attacks, ransomware attacks in April. So just talking about major ransomware groups and how this data was collected, just so everybody knows, we you look at the groups, right? They all have these sites on the dark web where they brag about who they attacked, you know, you know, they release information on these sites. There's a blog. <clears throat> Some of them just outright list the companies that they've attacked. They sometimes they'll release a little bit of sap, sample data as part of their negotiation tactics. So just collecting the data from around that type of activity, we know of 288 ransomware attacks in April, which is up by, um, I think it's five so there were 283 in March, 288 in April. So we shouldn't take any solace in the fact that we only increased by five because that's still just under 10 a day in terms of ransomware attacks. Um, and, you know, if you really only take Friday, Saturday, and Sunday into account as the days where these guys actually do stuff, um, that's a lot of attacks on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, these guys are working – you know, basically Friday, you know, they're working a lot more than this, but when they actually release the ransomware attack, you're talking many, many hour days for both sides who are involved, the, the people who get attacked and also the ransomware attackers. Um, so I kind of want to jump into these numbers a little bit and rap about these numbers with you guys a little bit, but, you know, we're just talking about basically four or five ransomware groups, Lockbit, Conti, Clock, Clop and, and a couple other little ones. We're not talking about everybody who's out there doing ransomware, which are beyond these groups. There's individuals who deploy ransomware. There's small groups, small people around the world who deploy ransomware. So we're talking about businesses that get attacked and have a major, you know, attack or a business disruption. Um, we're not talking about, you know, your personal computer or grandma's computer whose, you know, documents and pictures got ransomware for 600 bucks. Those numbers are kind of off to the side when we're talking about this stuff today. This is just the big stuff that happened to businesses. And, and if you own a business or you're, you know, in a business and you're responsible or you're part of the chain that's responsible for the cybersecurity this is who we're talking about. So just pay attention, right? So, and those numbers off to the side are not by any means insignificant. Those are probably they're not, but they're not what we're talking about in, in this yep. data. But it's yep. still, that's what I'm trying to highlight. Like this stuff happens at a lot of different levels. Like I met a guy um, who got hit with ransomware two years ago, just before COVID, and his ransomware demand was six thousand dollars. It was nothing. Um, and you know he has there was a lot of information there but you know the the, pay, the payment was six thousand dollars which that's still out there you might get hit with ransomware and your demand might only be a few thousand dollars it just depends on who is behind uh the attack um you know if you get some dude in turkey who's just looking to make some money you know six thousand dollars is a lot of money to him six thousand dollars is not a lot of money to Lockbit or conti you know, they're going to be asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars because that's the game that they play. Um, but, you know, 288 attacks in April, 10 a day on big companies. By you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in ransom demands here. Um, 
What are your guys' thoughts on that? I just was talking, so I was gonna let one of you guys go. But but to me, it, it it's it's this is a small subset. This these numbers are scary. These are high, and right. it's it's just the, the the cream on the top. I mean, there's there's so many other small ones underneath. So this is not you know, don't, don't think ten a day. They're still not going to hit me. Ten a day of the big ones is a lot, and there's a lot more of the small ones. So, so let me let me ask Randy or uh, Andre this: Would you guys like to make two million a day? Sure. I mean, that's basically what we're talking about here. Sixty million a month. Yeah. Well, some of them might be taking kids out to Domino's. You never know. Right. Sure. Right. Or uh, more than Domino's, like big fancy steakhouse down in San Marcos, Texas. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so we got, you know, in you know in the industries that are that are unfortunately the ones being up attack um industrials manufacturing right is there they make up 35 percent of the attacks that are happening scary right um manufacturers are part of the supply chain you know they are um that's part of the reason why they're attacked because stuff needs to get to market it's hard to get things to market right now um and, you know, ransomware is getting in the way of that. And then, you know, you, you have, you know, the defense supply chain, you know, your, your Department of Defense. These are manufacturers. That scares the shit out of me that, you know, potentially defense contractors, um, even though they're CMMC on the horizon, are making up you know, a significant portion of the companies, more than one third of the companies that are attacked successfully by cyber criminals, which means you're not doing a good job at cybersecurity. That's what that's what these numbers speak to me on. The other part that's scary is a, a lot of the reasons that they are so vulnerable is because they've got old equipment um, that you can't just put a patch on. It's it's they're running old versions of software because the equipment won't will only go so far. So for mm -hmm. them to correct that issue and, and, and fix that vulnerability, sometimes they have to replace uh, really, really expensive equipment to, to do that. So it's it's mm -hmm. not a quick turnaround. It's not cheap. Right. Um, and, you know, that's that's really scary to me. So this isn't something that's going to go away overnight. Right. Do you agree with me when I say the term, or I'm just going to make a statement and you guys tell me if you agree. The days are over for every single business in the United States that makes over a million dollars. The days are over where you can do IT on the cheap. So if yeah. you're a CEO and you're a CIO and you're looking at your business and you're saying, you know, we have that 15-year-old system that's making that machine run and that machine's making us money. Those days are over. Like you need to go pay the manufacturer to get that machine upgraded and keep it up to date because I know a lot of manufacturing businesses where that's the mentality. Mm -hmm. We buy the machine once, we pay for the software, maybe we pay for support for a year, but I ain't paying that bill anymore because they think it's more profitable for them. At the end of the day, if that machine goes down, you're out of business. Right. And that's the perspective. You're you're living high off the hog for many, many years. Um, and those days are over. And I, and I was thinking about this the other day, like people doing IT on the cheap, getting away with doing it for almost no cost. Um, you know, we're we're helping 
you know, a company acquire another company right now. And we're looking at their IT spend. And when I first went into it, I was like, oh, you know, they must be spending a good amount of money on IT because of basically the environment that I was told that they had. And then when I started peeling back the layers of the onion and saw how they were set up in Microsoft Cloud and Azure, um, they are doing things very much on the cheap there as well with very cheap licenses that have very little security tied to them. And these are the things that people need to be aware of. Yes, you can get Exchange Online for three bucks a mailbox, but guess what? There's no security. There's no business continuity built up and built into that license. <clears throat> and if your expectation is, is that you're going to be secure using a $3 mailbox, this is what I mean when you're done, when I, it's over, like doing IT on the cheap is done. Go ahead, Randy. Um, well, I was just going to say, so a company needs to, to be spending one to three percent of their gross rev on cybersecurity on top of the IT spend, whatever that should be. And most companies are not doing either one of those um, up to the par that they on the level that they need to. Um, so so the numbers that I know, that I know of are most companies are spending about one percent on their total IT budget. And then they're spending 3% of that budget on cybersecurity, which is basically nothing. So what they're doing is going into technological debt. That is building up a debt that's going to come back and ask for a payment at some point. Correct. Right. And it's either going to come in the form of what? Uh, ransomware. Um, or some IT consultant coming to you saying, you can't spend $2,000 a month on, on your IT anymore. You're going to have to spend 30000 a month. And you're going right. to go, oh, I can't do that. Right? But that's the reality. You're, you're a $10 million a year business. You can spend thirty grand a month on your IT. I mean, just because you haven't had to do it for 20 years, you've gotten away with it. The, 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 it's going to it's coming to roost. It's here. Like you're either going to get ransomware, you're going to get business email compromise, you're going to get malware, you're going to get something uh, that's going to cause you to either lose business on the front end, not get, you know, covered from a cybersecurity insurance standpoint, or you're going to have all your files locked and you're not going to be able to get out of the situation because you're not going to have a plan to do it. That's the world we live in. And it takes money and it takes investment into planning this stuff out, right? So trying to paint as good of a picture as I can here for these businesses, but these numbers are 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 stark. I mean, it's you know, you got consumer cyclicals and technology, right? Or come in second. Consumer cyclicals, 19%, right? And you're talking about retail, you're talking about, you know, you know, the things that you buy in the store. Um, that is the, the second most attacked industry. And then our industry is the third most attacked at 10%, which is, you know, compared to the other two is fairly low. You'd think we'd be a lot higher, right? Um, I think they're finding more and more that companies like us are doing the right thing. And these guys are the low hanging fruit. Like these industries aren't doing anything. Like we can get right in. It's like, like walk up to the door, the door's unlocked. You just walk right in and start doing what you want. 
Um, and that's the best way I can describe it. It's just way too easy in these industries for uh, cyber criminals to achieve what they want to achieve. But it's also scary because it's our supply chain. Like I said, it's it's not, you know, not really a, these sectors are not sectors you want attacked by cyber criminals. Um, so kind of digging into it a little bit deeper with North America continues to be the most targeted um, country or sector in the world region. 46% of the attacks are against uh, North American companies. Then it's followed by Europe, which makes up 33%. So I just want to kind of stop right there. If I add those two numbers together, it's about 80% of the attacks are North America and Europe. Thoughts on that, guys? Well, you know, some people say China's becoming bigger than the U.S. when it comes to the economy, but then nobody's attacking China. So that tells you something. Also, yeah, the criminals are going to go where the money is. Um, so I'm not surprised that North America and Europe are going to be at the top of that because they're, you know, the two most uh, uh, financially well-to-do continents, if you will. Um, also, you know, China has the quote unquote great firewall. I don't know if that makes it harder for cybersecurity attacks from the outside, um, you know, or what. So, well, my other question, too, and I don't have statistics to back this up, is hackers are notoriously lazy. I mean, 80 percent Europe and North America, are we just the easy targets because we've traditionally resisted things that are, are simple like MFA? Hackers are no different than people, right? Um People are notoriously lazy, and that's why we have hackers, <clears throat> lazy hackers, exploiting lazy companies that have no cyber defense or don't care about it enough or are just lazy to get around to it because they don't think it's going to happen to them until it does, right? So we have uh, this group, right? So Lockbit and Conti, we kind of talked about them throughout the year. We kind of said that it's 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 been Conti for they've been having a, a hell of a year. Um, and if Randy, if you want to talk about what you know about Conti towards the end here, I'd be happy to have you give everybody kind of an update since they attacked Costa Rica. Um, but Klopp, this group, has has in, has increased massively from uh, from March to April. They went from one attack in March to twenty one uh, in April, almost almost one a day. You know, a little more than one every other day. Um, and the interesting thing is, is that they seems that they looked at the two industries that Lockbit and Conti were having success in, or, you know, maybe um, Klopp hired some employees over from Conti and said, hey, what are you doing over there? And they gave them the roadmap for what they were doing. This happens in, in your company, too, when your employees leave and go to a competitor and basically tell them everything that you're doing from a process standpoint. So Klopp decided, hey, we're going to go attack the uh, industrials, manufacturing, and technology companies. And they increased their, their attacks by 45% in industrial and 27% in technology. So these guys look at market data just like you do in your business to decide where to put your resources and, and time and money. And right now, as of in May, in April and May of 2022, industrials, technology companies, and consumer cyclicals, you're on notice that these guys are coming after you hard to try to get your business. 
or trying to or try to get your business under attack, so you have to pay them a ransom and extort you. So, going into uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the show here with Ran- uh, with Randy. Randy, can you give everyone kind of an update on Conti since they I mentioned they've been on such a tear with their ransomware attacks in 2022? Yeah, you have some information about them potentially breaking up after the um, attack on the country of Costa Rica. You want to fill everybody in? Yeah, so so basically, it actually made the headlines um, in the nerd world um, this week um, that Conti was disbanding. Um, you know, and obviously they're always always about the click, the clicks. So you know, when you read into it a little bit more, um, basically they are in the process of of be- because they've become so popular, because they've become so famous. And then one other main reason, they're basically in the process of basically uh, branching out into smaller groups, sometimes joining existing groups, maybe going off some of the people going off on their own. Um, I've actually read this week that the Costa Rica thing was really a distraction and almost a false flag um, that they were trying to basically make a big splash over here while they were doing their disbanding of going off into smaller groups. Ultimately, the thing that they're saying they're doing it for is because their brand, their brand has been tarnished because they took the side of Russia and the Russia-Ukraine war. And I just don't think they realized how the world was basically going to take the side of of Ukraine. Um, And that has really made their brand toxic. Um, so now they're going to just basically move into some some other areas. So it doesn't really necessarily lower the threat. Um, it just means it's going to be coming from different places. If anything, I think it raises the threat because when, when when you read through some of the details on that, that they're basically describing they're not fully breaking off into independent groups. They're basically working as a centralized consultancy for these smaller groups. So they're basically taking their knowledge now and sharing it with all of these smaller groups. So that, that to me is even more dangerous. And we kind of, Oh, sorry, go ahead. We've been saying this for a while though. These groups breaking up, this kind of seems to be the, the, the new playbook. And I think that's mainly to avoid law enforcement as much as possible. It's a cat and mouse game. They kind of know how the FBI can track them down um, and other, you know, foreign government um, intelligence, you know, authorities. And I think that they've kind of figured out a little bit of a playbook where it's a lot harder for them to, and this is no similar to like, if you're going to hide yourself through like VPN traffic, you're going to go through multiple points to kind of hide who you are. And, and I don't think this is any different from a financial standpoint that they need to move around you know, geographically, they need to set up different crypto wallets and, and things like that. Um, and they need to set up different companies and be able to do different things. And I think that there's a finite period of time where they can do that successfully before somebody says, hey, this account, this group, this name, this person over here um, is no longer trustworthy and we're shutting it down. Um, this is how they're going to maintain longevity is by continually you know, changing and masking who they are. Yeah, agreed. 
but that shared resources thing is, is just really scary. You, you take a small group that doesn't have the, the infrastructure or resources to operate in that same way. And now all of a sudden they've got access to these large resources to make them so much more efficient. I mean, it's, it's no different than what we as IT providers do for, for small companies that don't, don't have the infrastructure to have a full IT department. We provide that for them at scale. Right. Fractional, fractional ransomware, fractional, you know, advanced persistent threat, fractional, you know, run the back house of your ransomware operation by making sure you get paid and we'll, you know, set up different crypto wallets for you. I mean, we, we, we look at this on the surface when we read these stories and be like, these guys are moving around or changing. They literally are just doing it on their computer. They're not moving anywhere. They're probably, you know, the, they're not moving to a different location to get a different IP address. They're just getting a different IP address, either from their ISP or they're ordering new service. You know, all these different tactics and tricks and things that they're doing today. And you have the Starlink service that comes into play and stuff like that. So um, as fast as technology is moving, so is so is this ransomware business. So is so are these cyber attacks. Ransomware still the thing it's still alive business email compromise and and ransomware are the top two ways that these criminals make their money and these are the things that businesses should be focused on preventing uh in their business right now and we talk about the news i mean you know you look at fox cnn whoever else there nobody's talking about this costa rica thing they're still down and it uh, reports are saying it's costing them 38 million dollars a day well, these attack again. That's why we do what we do because we know when other things happen in the world that the powers that be deem more important, this stuff's never even going to break through, right? So it's important to us to get this message out that you share our show as much as possible. Share it to your friends and family. It doesn't take them long. They can speed through this at two times speed. Um, you know, you can get through some this 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 uh, particular podcast in about 20 minutes if you do that. But it's important that people understand the risks and what what is going on out there. And we try to break it down to a level that people get it, that people understand like, oh, well, that's how that works. And this is how this is happening. Um, and we don't talk at a high you know technical level where people are like, you know, what are these guys even talking about? So um some of this may seem annoying to some people who do know this stuff, um, but it's our goal to make sure that we break this down to, you know, our grandparents, you know, and they understand like what the threat is and how they can be impacted. But more importantly, making sure that business people understand this, CEOs who have way more important things to do, like grow their business, you know, at least if they can take 20 minutes out of their life to listen to this show and get a little bit more educated about what the heck their company is going to be dealing with now and in the future, they're only going to be better prepared. So anything else you guys want to add? All right, we'll wrap it up. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care, everyone. Take care.